0: Well, welcome to uh, another edition of the Let's Go E Show. Hi, I'm Bill Allred, and uh, you know, there's a company in this town. It's called Magic Space Entertainment. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. It's a pretty remarkable company, though. Uh, you know, there are Broadway shows, Broadway style shows that come into uh, uh, Salt Lake City, and uh, we're lucky to have them here. We we get the big stuff. We get we get lame is, We get we get Wicked. We get some of the more offbeat uh, stuff too. We get rents. Uh, We get uh, Town. We get Avenue Q. The Book of Mormon is coming. We're getting a big show coming up soon called The Illusionist. That all comes through Magic Space Entertainment. Magic Space Entertainment is a remarkable company right here in Salt Lake City that provides uh, shows, Broadway-style shows and other kinds of shows uh, throughout the entire United States, and they are based here, 40 employees or more run by several people, two of them I've known for a long time, Bruce Granath and Steve Boulet and they're guests on the Let's Go Eat show today. Uh, I, it's just an amazing story of how this production company got started and the ups and downs they've been through in the past. Well, let's see, 19... What do they say, 1979, they came to Salt Lake City and started producing stuff? It's a, it's a story of, uh, well... How you make money and how sometimes you lose money in the producing business. Steve Boulay and Bruce Granite. I have an interesting connection to both of these guys. One has to do with a Santa pub crawl, and one has to do with getting married at his house. <laughs> it's all on this episode of the Let's Go Eat show. Uh, we recorded this episode at the 50 West Club and Cafe. Uh, thanks for uh, letting us uh, uh, set up down there. Thanks to my son Dylan for producing the show. And now, without further ado... Here it is, uh, the Let's Go Eat show, and um, oh, I should tell you, you're not even gonna be—you're not even gonna be able to tell that Steve Boulet just had knee replacement surgery. You won't even be able to tell that he has a massive scar on his knee, a massive uh, recent scar on his knee, while he was doing this interview. The man was in agonizing pain, and he still carried on. Bruce, he's—he's he's perfectly healthy. He's perfectly healthy. Anyway, here it is. The Let's Go Eat show, take it away. Oh, hang main on! Corporate name.
1: Shit, there was a thing.
0: Shit, what did you? That do? was fucked up. Have we
1: gotten any of that? Nope. Ooh. Well, I mean, no, not really. We have to. There was a. We got to restart. Oh, Take two. Me so sad. Well, it was better after four minutes me. than after an hour. That's true. <laughs> All right, go. That did happen once. We've. Uh, well, so, I've so never. So now
0: you're really recording.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So do do that do that four minutes again. Who who are, who are these people? Well, God, I I don't even recognize them now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh, so it's uh, uh, people I've wanted to talk to for a long time, and it's g- growing even longer. Uh, Bruce Granith and <laughs> Granith, and uh, it's also Steve Boulay, Magic Space Entertainment. Broadway across America. We're recording the Let's Go Eat Show here at 50 West Club and Cafe, downstairs from our studios, our X96 studios. We're having iced coffee, we're having french fries. We had talked about the Santa pub crawl. That's where I first met Bruce. He walked up to me, and I don't think he, I don't think you were doing even any business with me or anything. As Magic Space Entertainment, you just knew who we I was. We were just
2: great fans of KJQ and everything that you do, and thought you know if there's one bad person who needs to join and you us, you would enjoy other bad behaviors in costume, costume. And,
0: and you know I didn't do it. I had I never went to one of the Santa pub crawls.
2: We'll come back to you the 20th anniversary, and we'll all go out. And we'll make it a now.
0: Okay, are you going to do it at the 20th anniversary? Because well,
3: there's three now, so we'll have to de- we'll have decide have to, to join one, one or uh, right. or create the our best own. thing about the pub crawl is Santa's naughty helpers. I think I can guess what they are. you found it, a whole troop of little
0: people who cavort, no?
2: It, it's remarkable what happens when you take women, ordinary people women, and put them into women, a Santa liquor, outfit. And, women, women, liquor, and uh, costumes.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say women lick us in costume. <laughs> I, women oh, no, is this kind no. of podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you can say whatever now. you can say whatever you want on this podcast. Uh, and and it, now tell the story again. I'm sorry that they that we'd had a recording glitch, but tell the story how the Santa Pub Crawl came to Salt Lake City, and you guys are really responsible for infecting the country.
2: Sure. Well, uh, there was a group called the Tap Dogs from Australia. So tap is a, traditionally associated with. Broadway musicals, these guys were from a very industrial town in Australia, and that's what the show looked like. And they were here during Thanksgiving on the way to Broadway, and we asked them what they do in Australia at Christmas when it's essentially summertime.
3: Because they went drinking every
2: night they were here. Did they? And they played a board Mm -hmm. game that was about drug dealing. So when we were on the way to take them to interviews, they were (laughs) recapping what happened last night with their drug dealing board game. (laughs) Crikey, mate! They told you it was a board game. That's right. But uh, so, they, so they planted the seed of the uh, Santa Claus pub crawl, and probably 20 of us, I think Babs DeLay, a bunch of mm-hmm. our friends, uh, started O'Shucks. And it was quite a challenge back in that day to do it because, of course, you had to be a member. Yep. So we oh, would yeah. have to go to Private each of clubs. these places yeah. in advance. Become a member. Explain that many of our friends would be coming and sponsored, and uh, you know that that almost would be. Un- it's like you know after the Berlin Wall came mm-hmm. down, nobody can imagine what it used to be like. No. But it was a lot of fun. We did it for ten years. There's now two in Salt Lake, one in Park City, and I I have to look it up, but I think it's maybe 2017 will be the twentieth anniversary. anniversary. Well, if yeah. you got
0: if you guys go, I will do my first one on the twentieth anniversary. There you right. go. Yeah. Well, so. Uh, Magic Space Entertainment. How long have you guys? It's it's Bruce Graneth, it's Steve Bouet, You have other partners, two other partners, three other partners. But will you say one that you never seen? One who have never, you ever seen them ever? Oh, we
3: have. Okay, yeah. He doesn't like to fly. Okay. Who are your other partners? A fellow named Joe Marsh lives in Florida, and uh, Lee Marshall who lives up in Park City, and John Ballard who lives here in Salt Lake.
0: I know. I know John Ballard's name.
3: Yeah, and John. It was John and Bruce and I were partners for twenty-five years, and we merged our company with uh, another company that Lee and Joe uh, ran. I don't know, fifteen years ago, and have been together kind of ever since. Uh, and um, now I see you, you two, uh,
0: you know, fair, fairly often. And and I know that you you both work on a on a daily basis quite vigorously on all of this are the other uh, partners
3: also actively involved in in it or more advisorily involved and no they're, they're we have lots of projects so they no. wear different hats on the things that mm-hmm. we we deal with in the project level so lee is in charge of a lot of the producing stuff he's been back and forth in la one of the shows we produce is going to film in two weeks uh, an NBC special in L.A. Oh. So he's overseeing the deal with NBC and all of that, and then we'll be on the West End. In fact, we'll be on the West End and we'll be on Broadway at the same time. We have two companies, and it's the show that will be here, The Illusionist.
0: Oh, that, yeah, and that, was, uh,
3: that, did well, that did well in New York? Did spectacular in New York. Mm. It was one of the strongest-selling shows last Christmas.
0: And it's uh, – uh, as long as we're ta- you mention it, uh, uh, Bruce was in uh, the X96 studio the other day. And uh, uh, why don't you describe the show for people, Bruce? You did it for our audience so, there. So,
2: yeah. So the Illusionist is like the Avengers of Magic. Seven guys all with their kind of superhero persona, each who has a special power. And uh, what that means when you see a live show is if uh, most – illusionist It's one person for the whole show. Each of these guys is going in very quick sequence doing their best thing. So if you don't like this, in two minutes you're going to be seeing something else. And people love the fast pace of it. It's families. You literally, we had one night where there was a 80-something-year-old grandpa and like an 8-year-old grandkid, mm-hmm. and they both got brought up on stage to do something. And people emotionally reacted to them because... They had so much fun with it. So when we had our opening night party at Sardi's, which is a Broadway tradition, mm-hmm. people are pretty jaded. They get invited to every opening. But they had somebody who was with them who was 8 or 12 or 15, and they were just so, <laughs> yeah. so excited yeah. because they either knew exactly how they did it or they didn't or they were just uh, – they enjoyed it, but their kids enjoyed it even more. So um, like Steve was saying, it's it has been so successful that it's going to be um, – uh, in the West End and uh, on Broadway at the same time.
0: That's pretty. That's pretty big time.
3: Now that it, I, you know, not many shows in history have uh, have done that.
2: Well, and just to give you an idea how big Christmas Week, which is the biggest week on Broadway, mm-hmm. we came just a hair from knocking Book of Mormon out of number three spot, top-grossing show of that particular week. So um, people yeah. on Broadway were just premium tickets. Taking were,
3: Three hundred bucks, no. something like that. And, and, yeah. and, and uh, for
2: you guys? What is this thing?
0: Uh, how huge that is? Is that? I mean, since Book of Mormon opened, uh, well, I guess Fish in the Dark is that is that what that, uh-huh. that Larry David thing is called? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, has now Jason Alexander. Yeah, that thing really just blew everything out of the water. But I mean, before that, Book of Mormon was just like selling, it. Uh, I and mean, it still does. It yeah. still.
3: Has monster grosses? Yeah,
0: I mean they just sell out every night, and and uh, will probably continue to do so for a li- for for as long as they want. for as long as they want to be open. Uh huh. I would think. Isn't that weird? You know, I mean, like cats did that. I mean, finally, I think cats didn't cats just finally close because finally they everybody just said, I, you know, we're sick. I of don't want to do this anymore.
3: And I think shows migrate to to. Uh, more and more of a tourist draw, and they become almost permanent. And there's uh, there's a show in London, The 52 Steps, I think it is, that's been open for 30 years.
0: Yeah, there was uh, on Broadway, was it uh, The Fantastics? was right. off Broadway for... Forever. Yeah, for...
2: Well, you think, yeah. how much money can you make with just a house full of people? You know, it's not a stadium. It's not an arena. But Lion King has been the most valuable. Lion mm-hmm. King, the Broadway musical, mm-hmm. has been the most valuable Disney property ever. All movies. I mean, like everything. Really? Uh, There's a point where
3: it hit, in terms of gross revenue, and, and it's way beyond it now. But I remember when it hit $5 billion in sales worldwide more than any film or anything in history. No entertainment property had ever reached that level. That's stunning, isn't it? So that? the
2: cliche yeah. is you can't make a living, but you can make a killing. So <laughs> yeah, virtually everybody right. who goes to Broadway loses money. But yeah. then there's that one chance. If you were the crazy we person <laughs> who invested money in cats, So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all you had to do for the rest of your life. And I didn't
0: realize, you know, the, I think the way I realized how big... I think it was cats was t- cats or w- no it was um, uh, chorus line. Uh, Cynthia Fleming and she wouldn't mind. She me. was in chorus line. Yeah, she wouldn't mind me telling this story. Uh, when I did, uh, she was one of the early guests I had on this podcast and we were talking about her being in chorus line and I said so were you on Broadway and she said well I was the understudy on Bro- in Broadway but then I went on the road with chorus line for quite a while and that's what I did. And she and she was on the road for ten years. Yeah, or 12. that was her career. That was her career being on the road for like ten years or something. She was Donna. Yeah, and that's what she did. And she said, "I loved it, and I made a very good living." Uh huh. And and she said, "It's hard, you know. You travel and you stay in hotels, but I liked it, and
3: uh, you know, and I met I met my husband, and went, oh, you know, you travel and you stay in hotels that someone else pays for, and eat yeah. food someone else pays for." Yeah. And- yeah, that's yeah, a good way to save money. Yeah, I've done, yeah that,
0: that is true. I've done a little of that in my life when I was an actor a long time ago, and I did. Uh, I was on the road a couple of times, and you're right. I sent my checks home. Yeah. I, I, I virtually, I would put out save, oh. uh, save enough money for c- cigarettes and booze, which is. <laughs> Which is what I was doing most of the time. <laughs> that's called the per diem. <coughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's all I needed at the time was cigarettes and booze, and then sent the rest of the check. What home. else do you need? Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's get back to how we uh, how we get together as a producing entity uh, that is so big, and how it ends up being in Salt Lake City. How does new space?
3: Magic space. One of our many names. Yeah. I should have wore a T-shirt. Yeah.
0: How does Magic Space happen, Steve? Want the nickel tour? I'll give you the yeah. quick tour. Uh, you gave you gave me a, 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 a kind of a thumbnail sketch of it one time, and it's a just a bizarre story. So million really.
3: years ago when we graduated from college, so 1983, 84. Where were you? I went to college a school called Colgate, New York, mm-hmm. and Bruce was at Oberlin. And I was at Occidental in Occidental. California
2: with uh, Obama, but I managed to weasel <laughs> my way into an extra year of uh, postgraduate travel.
3: Mm-hmm. So at the time, I got hired to go work. I was a Russian major, but I got hired to go work for a big consulting company called Arthur Anderson, and uh, I felt guilty. I don't know. You were ma- majoring in Russian language uh-huh. and culture? Russian and international relations. French. French. French-Canadian. Okay. But anyways, I, so that's what I studied, and I got hired and and sent to uh, business school to get a master's degree in accounting while I worked full-time. But I had several months off before I did it, and I went and I spent uh, nine months traveling around Europe and Russia. And this is again, in what years was it? 1983. Okay. Uh, and while I was over there, uh, we spent three months literally camping around Russia with a group from Oxford. And one of the odd things was that two of the people traveling with us were on their honeymoon. They were both PhD students in Russian from, I think, Iowa. And the first part of their honeymoon they spent following the Grateful Dead around. <laughs> and the second part they were in Russia because that was their thing mm-hmm. and we, they had all these tapes from all the shows they went to mm-hmm. and we were playing these tapes all the time and we were in the middle of nowhere we were in I think we, we were in Georgia in, in Tbilisi the capital of, of the Georgian Republic and we went into this little club music club one night and it was a bunch of Georgians playing Grateful Dead covers Really, and we got into this interesting conversation, and and it just turned out that there was this incredible degree of interest in American music, and they kind of likened the Grateful Dead to uh, jazz. And this one guy, Ted Everett, his fellow was traveling with us, was a big jazz and a great Deadhead. So we were taping these groups we heard, and they would play covers of the dead, and they'd play their own jazz stuff, and Mm -hmm. and it was all back when the world had a big wall around it, and so we came back to the U.S., I was in...
0: Terrific people, by the way, and... uh, Everywhere. And they were all... I I went to Russia as well, and they were just so amazed at how they were always so interested in... Everything. ...talking to you and about you, and so empathetic, and uh, tell me everything about what you do and what you're in your life, and... We're so interested in you and that, and it you'd just, be
3: you'd be you'd be in a club them, all night yeah. long, and
0: they could and they most of them speak really pretty good English too, which was great.
3: And it got better; my Russian got better, and their English got better the yeah. more we drank. Yeah.
0: Anyways, <laughs> anyway, so so you're taping all this stuff. So,
3: anyways, we so we came back; the trip's over. I'm I'm uh, I'm close to going to work. I had a couple of months left, and I was a bartender in Rochester, New York, uh, waiting for my job to start, and. One day in the bar, there are all these people waiting for me to open the bar at noon, and I didn't know exactly who they were, and they come in, and they're sitting at the bar drinking, and then when my cocktail waitress shows up an hour and a half later, she kind of flips out because it was a Grateful Dead, and I didn't know who they were. So so now I did know who they were, and they were there for two days, three days. and I, In I, the bar? Yeah, pretty much. They were there all day long and then go do shows at night, and I introduced myself and told them... Uh, told him that story gave him some tapes uh, got to hang out backstage with the Grateful Dead it was wild three days but the, the cool thing was it was Bill Kreutzman who was who was one of the drummers was totally psyched wanted copies of the tapes of, mm-hmm. of one of the drummers we had taped a guy named Vladimir Tarasov from Riga and I came back and called my friend Ted and said you know we ought to uh, we ought to try to to record these things make these records so we started a record company and uh, it was in my living room with two other friends in college at the time and and at that time then uh, Bruce was on a Watson fellowship studying jazz in Eastern Europe and it, now, you didn't I know. Was.
0: You didn't know, Bruce. Did you? No. no was I was this?
3: introduced as Steve by Christian Science
2: Monitor Radio. I like this. Of course, I was. Of course, I was studying jazz. <laughs> <laughs> what else would I be doing? <laughs> Somebody was giving me money to travel <clears throat> and interview jazz musicians, but Steve was on Christian Science Monitor Radio, and your son is here doing the engineering, mm-hmm. and and he would be amused at this seems like a million years ago. Yeah. To connect, I had to go to the payphone down the hall, call Christian Science Monitor Radio, say, I'm sorry, who was what that guy who yeah. was on the, the air? I'll call you back, and then sat in the They hall. were interviewing us about our record company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was coming to London uh, while I was there, and then when I went back uh, to Chicago and started working, uh, he had his record uh, company going and was amused and delighted to find somebody wanted to throw bad money after his bad money. to was a record money. producer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it was money that was to get honestly a job, made. To get a yeah. job at a record company, yeah. all you had to do was have enough money to make a record. Yeah, To figure out how much it cost to get it pressed and do the artwork. Yeah. And, and so we, so Bruce uh, made a record with us and became part of we were called East Wind Records. As, that, that's not this, is yeah, it? Yeah, East Wind Records. That wasn't, that was a uh, one of the first ones, right when Bruce met us. Let's
0: get it. We can get a picture of this too. You can have it. It's oh, a gift. Okay. Well, we'll get a picture of it too for the uh, podcast. This is one of the early.
3: This is a, it's this a jazz is, guitarist. It's, it's pristine too. It's still in it's the not open. Yeah, it's not been open. Which is indicative of the demand we found in the marketplace for our records. But the, uh, but, but a lot of people wrote about them. So so we have this record company. We both have real jobs. Bruce is... I'm working basically. I, I was an accountant. That's our international yeah, yeah international tax stuff yeah uh, in Hartford, Connecticut that's a, and Washington DC. It yeah. was yeah. and then uh, and Bruce was doing real estate work in Chicago and we had this little record company on the side and the New York Times wrote a big article about us. and out of the blue because we were the first company working in Russia after Reagan and Gorbachev signed the Cultural Accord.
0: Mr. Gorbachev. Tear yeah. down this That's wall. wall. <laughs> yeah. So then and uh, you
3: had some hand in that. No, they were tearing it down. We were just oh. there. But. <laughs> so then we, um, uh, out of the blue, I got a letter from this guy in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, John Ballard, and he wanted to book one of the groups on our record label because he wanted to. When the cultural accord occurred, he wa- he wanted to get in with a Russian presenting company which is called Gosconcert and he wanted to bring over things like the the Kirov Ballet and the Bolshoi Ballet and the Red Army Choir and he figured if I can get my that's nose smart. in the tent that's smart. so he tracked us down and asked if we could get one of the groups that we had recorded and it was a group called the Ganelin Trio that actually played here on this tour at the uh, Utah Arts Festival in 1985 and he um he tracked us down and asked if we could do it, and we we set the tour up, and I took vacation off and played uh, translator and road manager, and we went on tour, and it was cool. and Had fun. Had fun, and a year later, uh, he wanted to do another tour, and the State Department approached us. Is it
1: this
0: one? Yeah,
3: wanted to know if we'd work with this group called the Leningrad Dixieland Jazz Band. and. <laughs> And uh, it was so we, we did this tour with the Leningrad Dixieland Jazz Band, and same thing. I was able to take vacation. It was cool. And uh, right about this time, John was offered this interesting opportunity to John Ballard. John Ballard to get the rights to produce the first tour of the Chippendales uh, west of the Mississippi. You know the stripper guys. Yeah. Yeah. So John called me. They're still and, around, aren't they? And I was living in Washington. Yeah. I was living in Washington, D.C., still an accountant. Uh, he was on the speakerphone when I was in the kitchen with my girlfriend and, and some of her lawyer friends, uh, very East Coast women. Mm-hmm. And he said, can you cover some Victor Borga dates for me on the East Coast that I booked? Because I got, I, I just booked a tour and I got to go out on this tour. And yeah, I said, how, how, who, whoever
0: hears that sentence, hey, could you cover some Victor Borga dates? He's going to do that thing with the comb, you know, where
3: he let's, combs his yeah, hair. And,
1: let's spend 20, 30 minutes here on Victor Borga. And he Borga. goes, <laughs> <"Wing," on.
3: laughs> does stuff like that. And Phonetic punctuation. The, yeah, plays the piano. And. So I said I would. And at the end of the call, I said, but I want to, uh, but t- tell me wh- why Why can't you do it? And he told me the Chippendales, and I had no clue what it was. So these Isn't that furniture? But these, but. <laughs> The women who were sitting in my kitchen at the time, Ooh. as soon as we got off the phone, yeah. Ooh. So I called them back, and I said, yep, I'll do it. Uh, but if they've never ever toured before, I want to get the date in Washington. I was living in Washington, D.C., in Washington. John said, great. So we booked the the Hilton. And it was, this is the first show I put money in. We booked the uh, Hilton downtown in D.C. this
0: is the first show you're saying you put your own money My in. own money in. I you're, was still. I working with
3: somebody else's money. Something. Well, like, yeah, you know. and tours, and and, and it's always uh, the smart
1: way to do it. Mm-hmm.
3: That's usually right, yeah. unless you make money. Yeah. So we we booked the Chippendales, sold out four performances at the Washington Hilton, and in the old days, the big ticketing company in the country is called Ticketron, and they paid you in cash. So we're doing the settlement at the end of the night and. Over two days, it was two thousand seats, so eight thousand drunk women. Mm-hmm. Which, when you're twenty four years old, is impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's, that's still impressive. The smart way <laughs> to do it. And, yeah, still <laughs> impressive. And we're we're sitting there after the show, and we made I think we made twenty eight thousand dollars profit. So I was making twenty eight thousand dollars a year, and we split it up, and I've got fourteen thousand dollars in cash. And John said. So, you know, you want to do more of this, and I punted accountancy and became a promoter, and I moved to to Salt Lake. We were going to have an office in Washington at first and decided to, instead of Jackson Hole in Washington, we'd have one office, John, decided in Salt Lake. And Salt months, Lake,
0: he said that seems like he knew well, Salt Lake. Well, he was Lake. a skier. Mm-hmm.
3: He knew Salt Lake. This is pretty, he was a pretty skier, good town. needed a good airport. and Good town, good airport, why not uh, there? Great buildings. With, they had just renovated in 79 the Capitol Theater and the Abravanel uh, Hall was built. And uh, literally a month after I came here, we needed someone to be a uh, marketing director. And the guy we had, it wasn't the right job for him. And and I knew Bruce because of our record company. And he worked with us when we did this Ganel and Trio tour. and. We thought he was foolish enough, and had, and what were you to, doing in
0: Chicago? Always burst. to come out Well, he's making fourteen thousand cash, you know, with strippers. What are you doing?
2: I was doing what any English major, jazz graduate studies person would do, which is work in real estate.
0: Just, ah. Yeah,
2: renovating warehouses. I mean, you're working for a company that was run rate. Were renovating you liking warehouses. that? I, uh, I was actually, but it wasn't what I was cut out to do. So I, you know. This whole opportunity, and we presented this the Ganelan Trio, which is this avant-garde, crazy group. I should have brought uh, that record for you in Chicago. Uh, it
3: pissed your wife off. But coming <laughs>
2: out to Utah, the the thing about entertainment at that time, and again, this is going to sound like a you know buggy whips, but mm-hmm. um, basically, the advent of the fax machine and FedEx allowed you to even consider working in a place like Salt Lake in this business. Yeah. Previous to that, yeah. you'd pretty much have to be in New York or Los Angeles. And um, that made it kind of possible for the first time to live in a place where, you know, you have spectacular mountains and all of that stuff. You know, it's
0: so. funny. Uh, I returned to Salt Lake in – I probably returned to Salt Lake in 1978. I'd been living around the country doing other stuff I <clears throat> probably came back in 78 or 79 and uh, <clears throat> started working at a radio station in 1980 in Ogden. And I remember – you're right. A fax machine. It seems it odd the to think. Well, I remember we kept saying to the boss of this little radio station up in Ogden, "We've got. We need to get a fax machine in this damned radio station. We need a goddamn fax machine." And he went, "We're not getting a fax machine. Faxing is a fad." <laughs> <laughs> and as it turned out he was right <laughs> but in the long it, it was not much longer where he went now oh, yeah we, what, what's this we say, hey Tom what's this I got a goddamn fax machine we need a fax machine you're right we need a fax machine we fax had a western f- union <laughs>
3: machine before the fax machine it was a typewriter that connected mm-hmm. yeah. to the we telephone
0: old, we had an old teletype for the news yeah, that's we, what had it was. A, yeah we had a teletype machine uh, it, when I first started working there we had teletype for the news what, it's
1: Did a, it, a it's a, a um, no, it's a famous meme that goes around the internet where it's, you know, things, you, facts you won't believe. And it's the fax machine was actually invented when people were still going across the Oregon Trail. <laughs> things that happened at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, not to age yeah. anybody or make you feel so bad. So Bruce or. came out
3: here and and, uh, and tried the job on for size. I had a big giant house and Bruce came to live in the big giant house and left his wife in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all decided we liked each other and what we did. And would you say I'm going to go out there and give this a try? That's why I left the wife in Chicago because mm-hmm.
2: if this didn't, this yeah. sounded like kind of a harebrained thing. Yeah. Move to I didn't even know where Utah was on a map, yep. and uh, do this entertainment thing. She had a job in the Wrigley Building. You hold that down. If it doesn't work, I'll come back.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time we were doing, we were working on some big Russian things. We also. Presented Victor Borga all over the country. The Vienna Choir Boys, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, a tenor who I, was popular in Canada. I, named when I was a kid, Ivan I, Rebroff.
0: Oh, I, I know who that is. Yeah, I, when they're I all a, dead now. I know, when I was a kid, I loved Victor Borga. I loved him. I love my parents. You know, watched him,
3: and I, I loved he him. He did anyway, great for us. He was and, uh, funny. George Winston, the pianist. Sure. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what we did was we we had. Everything of N- west of the Mississippi, and, and David did lot, Copperfield, the did magician, a lot
0: for the NPR crowd, probably.
3: At well, at that point, NPR didn't really exist. I get you know in a meaningful guess, way. are yeah, well, was
2: there, but it wasn't nearly the no. national uh, yeah. footprint. It that became it was.
3: a national footprint when John Lennon died, because they discovered December tenth, nineteen eighty. Yeah, what happened was when when. John Lennon died. They broke, they broke in with news broadcast every hour to say what happened. And they discovered that their ratings went up because they were doing something nobody else was doing. They were doing this hourly news thing. And then right after that, uh, mm-hmm. Chernyenko died and two, two big Russian dudes died. Mm-hmm. And they used that same motif, that same approach, and they discovered all-day news was a good idea. And that was, that was one of the things that was a boom and a, and a sea change for NPR. But
0: And now they've taken it a little too far, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, they have, actually. It's kind I mean, of sad. They've, they've taken it too far. Now... We'll just do it all the time. Let's get away from...
3: Uh, and it's not uh, even news anymore. Yeah. It's scripted. Yeah. Hoo-ha. I, I know. So we
2: haven't done anything with Russians in a long, long time. But what was interesting was all these things were happening at the same time that history was happening. Yeah. So the second time we toured that Leningrad Dixie jazz band, it could be a Sundance movie. We'd go out and play for a bunch of beer-drinking people in Milwaukee or something.
3: Who'd never seen a Russian.
2: And we'd come no. back, turn on the TV, and people were getting their brains beat out in Tiananmen Square. And we'd come back a couple of days later and turn on the TV, and they were taking down the fence between Austria and, and Hungary. And it was like one of those movies where a guy goes out in space, things happen on Earth, and you come back and you don't recognize it. No. They were watching the world that they inhabited changing without being there every single day. So it was really kind of an, a, a magical, and for interesting everybody. time. This, this
0: agonizing for them, probably. Well,
3: it, it, both agonizing and wonderful. We were in thinking we were in Denver and we had this is with a Dixieland band and they were doing some gig on a military holiday maybe it was Memorial Day and actually it was in Sacramento and it was Memorial Day that's what it was and they didn't know what Memorial Day was and there were some there were there was a veterans group that was at their concert and we explained to them what Memorial Day was because they said well why are those why are those people wearing, you know, uniforms in there? Mm-hmm. And we explain it to them. We said it's a celebration of, of uh, people who have passed. Honor the war day. Honor the dead. And these Russians take war stunningly seriously. She's like, And so they all got together, these guys who had no money at all. They took their per diems. They pulled all their per diems, and they donated them to the local uh, the local whatever the group was that we had of retired veterans. Because uh, they they said you have to respect people who who did that and and they, you know, and
0: we were all, after all allies during that probably yeah. most of them were World War Two veterans so.
3: but it was it was yeah. something to see because you had these these gruff old Americans yeah. who came to see this novelty of mm, of r- Russians who were in tears Jeez. they couldn't believe these Russians mm-hmm. you know valued and cared or were even human beings so like Bruce said it was the world changed in front of us and like mm. most things. When real people talk to real people, a lot of the differences and problems evaporate.
0: You go if you ever go to Russia, uh, and, this, and then we'll we'll get back to entertainment. <coughs> but if you ever go to Russia and you uh, go to uh, Saint Petersburg, uh, and I think it was it's outside of Saint Petersburg where that big uh, memorial is to, about the siege of. St. Yeah, Petersburg, Siege of, uh, of Leningrad, as it was called at that time, when the Nazis held yeah, them nine
3: hundred seventeen days. Yeah,
0: nine hundred seventeen days. They, the Nazis, just surrounded the city, and no food in, no nobody out, nobody in, uh, and they just basically the the strategy was to starve the city to death. And I mean, it's a big city, and they got close, and they did. I don't and uh, uh, there you probably even know the statistics how how many people died in Leningrad do you know
3: They what they said was uh, the best statistic was every single Russian was related to someone who died God <laughs> I mean the numbers are yeah. stunning Yeah so 50% of the population something like that
0: If so if you think sometimes you know you know that Vladimir Putin that son of a bitch is pretty paranoid and pretty
3: well, he it, is a kook.
0: He is a kook, but it kind and 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 but it kind of can explain the Russian psyche down the line, it, you know, of their leaders down the line. Sometimes, yeah, if you have tens
3: of millions of people die yeah. within a generation of the one where we are in all now, you
0: and it, you know, and it can kind of explain that how they let maybe let themselves be subject to these stronger leaders, and and they maybe have a little bit of. Um, subjugation to that kind of thing and allow that to happen because it's
3: it makes the you because
0: you're scared. You are scared that that kind of shit can happen again to you. Anyway, let's go back to entertainment, shall we? Uh it's uh, it's magic space. So Magic Space is a producing entity and you guys are producing shows.
3: And mostly we're doing you know the shows I'd mentioned, Victor Borga, Vienna Choir Do- Boys, doing good. some of the big Russian things. And then we and we are doing uh David Copperfield. And the fellas who managed David Copperfield, the uh, a company called Magic uh, Arts and Entertainment, we got along tremendously well with. So we did everything west of the Mississippi. Uh, they did every, they managed him, but they also presented everything east of the Mississippi, and that gave us a footprint where we presented everywhere. And we had this again, this great working relationship with him. And we we worked on other shows, but that was our biggest biggest show we worked on, and. And w- and one day in nineteen, God, it was 1979. We got this phone call from a guy named Bob Garner in Denver, Colorado. And we had done some huge things: the Red Army Choir, the Kirov Ballet. But we got this call from this presenter in Denver, and he said, "I'm really close with a fellow named Cameron McIntosh, and we're bringing uh, this show called Les Mis over to tour the United States after it." it opens in New York, we're going to be in Denver and would you be interested in trying it? And at that point there was no such thing really as touring Broadway. Chorus Line had toured. It was kind of it. Cats had toured. And uh, we said yes. And that was our...
0: Did you know what it was? We
3: we knew it was a phenomena. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't know the show. We weren't big Broadway guys. And the first time we brought it to Salt Lake, put together the first... 1980-81 1980-81 was our first Broadway season. Uh, right. it, was chorus, it was two shows. It was Chorus Line and Les Mis. <laughs> and we sold 30,000 tickets in a blink of an eye. With, with It was over the telephone and hard tickets. <laughs> it was insanity. We blew telephones out. The day we went on sale, we blew telephones out all the way to Spokane. Do
0: you have any idea
3: why Les Mis... In particular,
0: what is it with Salt Lake and is?
2: I think that at some at some base level, it it, it relates to the story of forgiveness and redemption. Redemption relates so strongly to something here with um, you know the religious base and everything else. And or maybe it was just that it was the first big blockbuster musical, or the combination of it. Mm. But it is. If there was going to be an official Broadway musical like a Bird, well, Mineral Salt Plant, it would for sure be this.: And then no maybe
0: doubt. second, it would be the uh, the, the which One, the uh, Wicked, Wicked. Right. Wicked, same.
3: But that was our first Broadway thing, and we quickly migrated to presenting Broadway all over the country. I mean, we some one point we were in we had fifteen markets where we did series and uh, it was a great business and we then in the heady heady days of the late 90s we merged with the fellows who managed Copperfield because we saw that the nature of the business was changing and a financial model where it was you know Steve John and Bruce pay for everything out of their pocket was not going to work in a in a marketplace where there was a lot of public money Stock. Yeah. People were op- opening big companies. So yeah. we merged our companies, uh, raised 20 million bucks, went public, started doing big rock and roll tours. We toured Who, Janet yeah. Jackson, Fleetwood Mac, Barry what was Manilow. That what was all that called? Is that. We were called Magic Works at that Magic point. I
0: knew there was some kind of name change. So we were which called got the, the Space by Agency, SFX, which
2: got bought by Clear Channel, which became Live Nation, came Broadway across yeah. America. But we
3: were we were the Space Agency. So their company was called Magic Arts and Entertainment. Yeah. We became Magic Works. We were going to be the giant company. Someone else was a giant company faster than us, and they bought us for yeah. a lot of money. Uh, and we worked for them on and off for a few years. We liked working for ourselves better, so we bought our company back, changed our name to Magic Space. That
0: must have, didn't that take a lot of balls? I mean, why you, did you did you at some point? Didn't you just consider
2: cashing out?
3: Well, well we were too young, uh, and it's fun. We like what we do. Well, we I
2: didn't want... like being corporate weenies. We kept being told. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Steve <laughs> would be on on every conference call with a new idea or approach, and they would just, oh. please go back to your box, close yeah. the door, yes. and don't bother us. We'll keep yes. sending you your check, but At just- our
3: biggest, when we were our own company, at one point, we had maybe 80 employees or something, and then we got bought by SFX, and then we got bought by Clear Channel, yeah. and I... So, suddenly, I was a senior regional manager. Mm-hmm. One of four hundred in a company with two hundred eighty thousand employees.
0: They just don't give a shit about what you think or what you you know. No,
3: it's crazy things, yeah. and it, and they and and so at that point we spun the music piece off. So our guys who produce those giant music tours, and it was fun. I mean, we we were we were again we we did the Crosby, Stills, Nash Young reunion tour. Yeah. So we get to do that really cool stuff, but. That moved and stayed with this new music company that became Live Nation. Our, the Broadway company went off on its own. And at that point, when the change happened, we had the chance to buy ourselves back. And we did, and that's kind of who we are now.
0: Let, uh, let, and let me say, when you say you were too young, what you mean by that is you, just, you didn't want to stop working. We like what you we I, You could have. know, I mean, I really Probably. admire that. I, I really admire that. You could have, you could have just said, "Well, what the, you know, I can, I got, I got, I got enough money. I
3: could, I could." Yeah, but we always did this because we like what we do. Mm-hmm. You you heard about the Russians, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Those> were,
2: <laughs> we did the Utah Jazz and Blues Festival for you know you know a decade. Or the profit more. you could make on five T-shirts every year, you know, we for ten years we the like the Santa this Claus stuff. Pub crawl, we like no entertainment, you know. <laughs> the
0: Sanders Pub crawl. Yeah, we there was that. no there was no
2: <laughs> we love theater. VIP experience ticket. Yeah. Although if we were doing it today, I'm sure we could come up with a tent and sponsors and <laughs> you know a bottle service. <laughs> you know room. how to do it, yeah. You
0: know, you know how to maybe that's it. an idea. We're well, we get to do
3: stuff we really. I mean the first show Bruce ever worked on when he came out here, we booked Philip Glass, who I loved from the movie Koyaanisqatsi. We booked him because he had done this I crazy saw this. show called Thousand Airplanes I saw on the it. Roof. I loved with that. Henry thing. David Huang. So yeah. if I knew when I booked it, if we sold out, we'd break even. But it was it was this was a tour that was playing New York la philadelphia chicago london and salt lake city and we were totally psyched about doing it and bruce and my wife-to-be uh dressed up as aliens because it's a it was a an opera about abduction being abducted yeah. by aliens and and walked around handing out flyers downtown but we just we loved the stuff we did yeah, and I, d- we still I loved do. that show. I
0: don't know. I don't re- remember if I bought tickets to it or somebody gave me tickets to it, but I knew I had to see it because you guys
2: might have even it might have been a KJ. We might have sponsored uh, yeah, show. We might have sponsored
0: up at Kingsbury it. Hall, yeah, and, and it I sold was the out. only one who had any, uh, probably a KJQ who had any idea what it was or who Philip Glass was because I but was, it was from cool. theater, and I went Philip Glass. Oh shit, I want to see this, and so I, I went, and it was just great. It,
3: yeah, was, it was off great. the deep yeah. end cool, and that's yeah. what the Jazz Festival felt like. We never, we actually, at the end of a decade, at the end of a decade, I think when I added all the P&Ls up, we made $56. (laughs) But we had, it was 12 years, I think we did it. We have 12 years where we got to meet the coolest people in the world and jazz and blues guys. And uh, our wives got to be bouncers and we were up at Snowbird for a weekend. (laughs) Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. we just, we did a lot of stuff like that that we just love doing. Yeah. And, and we still do.
0: And that's the reason to, that really is the reason to work. And if you can make, make enough money to be happy and, and, and pay your bills and all of that, that's great.
3: Well, I still tell my parents, uh, it appears now that I'm 54, I may never grow up and get a real job. <laughs> you know,
0: And I mean, you're, you're, you, you know how lucky you, you are. You both know how lucky you are. Because most people go around not like, they just work their job so that they can make enough money to do what they like.
2: And we're sitting here in yeah. T-shirts and shorts, which is pretty Dressed much the uh, dress code. Mm-hmm. Virtually anybody that you meet in rock and roll or oh. entertainment, kind of, without intending it, went through a lot of hardship just so they don't have to wear a tie. Yeah, you <laughs> know, it's the Peter Pan thing. Don't we never wear a tie, or almost never wear
3: a tie? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, it, it, so um, uh, now. Um, you do. You, you, you're st- you still do a lot of big stuff, mostly and, producing. Yeah, producing. How did that? How did that piece come into play? Oh, you, I meant to ask you. Did you ever get to meet Claudia Schiffer? Uh, did. I, I did. did. You both and, did. And even <laughs> when she was David, even, uh, David Cla- Copperfield's girlfriend. Uh, even to this very day, we or can't. We can't, can't his, talk about it. You can't. Oh no. What was she, was she? So you can't tell me if she was David Copperfield's girlfriend. She was, but was but she,
3: his, the stories. Even if I was really drunk, I couldn't tell you this story. Okay. I okay. get sued. All right.
0: Okay. I won't ask. But you know, you, But let me ask you this. You did get to meet her. Uh-huh. Was she as lovely? There, uh, at the time, I'm not particularly, I don't get taken by too many, you know, like You models, would have if you met her. Yeah, by models or things like that. I don't, you know, I'll look at pictures of, of models. Most of them I go, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's an attractive person. Yes, I do. But there was something about her I, where I would go.
3: Oh wow. my God! Yeah, she was kind of.
0: She was she was that drop. in yeah. in person as well. She was jaw-droppingly beautiful. There, there's one today. I finally saw that movie, uh, the The Wolf of Wall Street. I, I watched on TV, and that Margot Robbie in that movie was one of those. I Where you go? seen that? Where you go? Oh, oh my God! You know, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That woman is beautiful. Uh, so uh, now, kind of, uh, so it's kind of gotten a little. Is it gotten bigger now that you're producing all, all a lot of this stuff? I don't think is it's
3: it, bigger. It's uh,
0: just another aspect. We're at a different.
3: Yeah, because what what we do that's different is we still present and have a team of people who are good at putting a show on anywhere. So we'll do a show in Bend, Oregon. We we'll, we work a lot with uh, David Sedaris, the author. We used mm-hmm. to do a ton mm-hmm. of dates with BB King and. We were kind of the Aww. we were the go-to uh, guys on a lot of these tours where we can do a show anywhere. We have people who can do a show anywhere. And the flip side of that is you have producers who have shows to sell. Yeah. But the world's become so different with a couple of big giant companies doing everything that a lot of times you can't find somebody to do a show in Bend, Oregon. Or you can't find someone to do a show in Boise, Idaho. Or albuquerque new mexico or but we can so we have this combination where not only do we produce shows but when it's necessary or the deal makes sense it's such profitable opportunity we'll present the show Hmm. and what that means is if you're talent you could go out and find a producer to produce your tour but the danger you have is if there aren't enough buyers out there you could have marginal outcomes and you'll have a truncated tour. What we were able to do and are able to do is we can keep a tour out there 20%, 30%, 50% longer because we'll 4 it. We'll present the tour at the same time, and few, if any, producers can do that. Does that make sense? Uh,
0: yeah, 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 it does, yeah. So it's
3: that's a- been really good, and we've become kind of boutique where we get approached...
0: Who are those guys in Salt Lake? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, the,
2: and that's why we kind of fly under the radar. Is that Lee Marshall has this incredible sense for what Middle America wants. Invariably, when we start, everybody we know rolls their eyes and sniffs at it. Can, can you
0: g- give us some examples of that kind of stuff? Well, Elton
2: Brown. Elton Brown's a great oh, really example. yeah. I'm Here's really guy who intrigued
0: has, by that kind of people who and you guys have it too. In a you know who knew. Did you, I mean, like Les Mis, did you, I, you knew it was a phenomenon. Did you have a sense that it would just be that show that Salt Lake would really go for, too? Well, we they, thought it or was... What
3: was that luck? We thought it would... It, you know, luck is getting in the right spot. Yeah. So the guy in Denver knew us because we did shows in Denver with him. And we always partner when we go into markets with people. We're good partners. We... Uh, you meet the same people on the way down the ladder as you meet on the way up the ladder, yeah. and so we have a good reputation. So that that case, luck—it was just someone who liked us and mm-hmm. said, "I need help," and yeah. they they came to us. But you got to—the hard thing about what we do is you got to have the balls to say go, and go generally means you know you put a million bucks in the line to produce a show. Well, can you?
0: And I don't want to put you on the spot. Give give us uh, give me an idea of something that you were wrong about. <laughs> We've, been <laughs> We've been wrong, wrong about, about a lot. Of well, I mean that you that you thought, oh no, that's not going to be a good deal. That's not going to be a good show. And then you go. Well, there are always. I mean, artistically,
3: there. I can't think of things artistically where we screwed the pooch, but we certainly have made yeah, worse well, shows. Well, where you lose money, but I'll give you a good example from some time ago, uh, Tommy. The rock opera yeah you know we early in the in the touring broadway world we had enjoyed a tremendous amount of success with les miz and the chorus line and a few other big tours so tommy comes out and we think home run this ought to be big yeah ought to nope yeah it was not yeah you're, you, you know I, I, it you, has okay. to
2: be a good deal as well as, as uh, a good show
3: so it was a good deal it wasn't, it, well, obviously expensive. it wasn't a good deal because we lost six figures <laughs> <laughs> on it. You didn't have to tell me that. <laughs> no, we lost close to a million bucks. Oh, man. That's and, true. you know, it's an incredibly cool thing. Often it's you fall in love. If you fall in love with your show, you got to find someone else who isn't in love with your show before mm. you write the check mm. to tell you you should write the damn check. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, But
3: yeah. that was a show that was wildly cool, and we thought Middle America would buy it. And it turned out that Omaha, Nebraska, and Fresno, California were not, in fact, interested in Tommy or the Who. And the,
2: the introduction to Middle America is David Copperfield. He was a guy who could play to a 25-year-old couple, 75-year-old couple, family with kids. And what was amazing about him, more than anything he did on stage, was his, his work rate was crazy. So typical week would be you load out of the theater at 1 in the morning in a city... You drive all night, 6.30 you start loading in, a broadway size show, Yeah. you do a 5.30, you eat, you do an 8.30, you load out, you go to another one, and another one, and another one. And in order to keep that shark moving, you have to play Farmington, New Mexico, and all these little teeny places. And
0: he would do it. And yeah. to do
2: that, you've got to really work hard on every level, everybody who's production, who's marketing, to figure out how you sell something in a teeny tiny place. There were
3: some years we he were He was the in,
0: Liberace of his day. In a
3: way. He, I mean, know? there were years where you could go back and look, and we would, we presented shows. In our, in the biggest year I remember, we were in 175 different cities in north america can you think of a hundred and seventy five cities nope. in north america no i cannot and when you think about david copperfield
2: there's no understudy Yeah. Right. so if he gets the flu or something i, mean, he ne- I don't ever Never. remember us canceling a show because he was in a bad mood yeah. a lot of pressure on one guy it is it's amazing so nice guy um, an interesting just, guy, just, driven just guy.
0: Of, you know, I hear Penn Gillette, I listen to his podcast, and I, they've had a kind of a love-hate relationship over the years. You know, well, he's different. The two of uh, those two are so very different opposite. people, and and it's interesting to hear. And they but they've come to friendly a friendly now. They've come to a friendly uh, uh, meeting of the minds.
3: <laughs> so, well, you I know, guess. they both and, migrated to the middle. Yeah, and David mm. started mm. as an award-winning young magician. And this Mm -hmm. was, at the time, you had Blackstone touring, Harry Blackstone Mm -hmm. touring. And And Doug Henning. And Doug Henning. Mm -hmm. That was it. The world (laughs) of Yeah. But (laughs) at the time, time, though, they paced a show where it'd be, you know, you and your pretty sparkly girl walk out and cut someone in half. Thank you. Thank thank you. Walk Mm -hmm. off. And you walk out again and you make someone appear. And David came in. <clears throat> and he brought rock music in. That's he right. brought continuity. The show never ended. Mm-hmm. So between illusions, you would have dancers on stage. You had it was fully choreographed and written. Mm-hmm. So it was a show.
0: Broadway style. And the pay,
3: yeah, it wasn't it wasn't fourteen disparate things strung mm-hmm. together with breaks. It yeah. went straight through. And he reinvented that genre. And he came from a whole different end. And yeah. then you had you had Penn and Teller, who came from the smaller magic street and, magic essentially, yeah. and they worked their way up into these elaborate right. produced sit-down shows so they were two very mm-hmm. different things uh, 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 real mainstream mm-hmm. david and a very intellectual thing and they mm-hmm. both have kind of migrated to the middle and yeah, so it both, isn't mm-hmm. a surprise that mm-hmm. yeah. they they so like each other more of, yeah
0: it's interesting to hear. hear so Penn, part of that is middle, talk to each knowing other. what
2: middle America wants, and part of it is working, working something so hard that's beyond what every anybody else thinks. When yeah. when the company got bought up, uh, Lee was touring with Lord of the Dance, and they basically said, we did that for ten. We years. don't want that. That's done. Again,
0: I took had to take my mother to that on a couple <laughs> of occasions. And what was the what was the there was a, a version of Lord of the Dance that wasn't Lord of well, the first oh, thing many, was many River versions. Dance. River Dance. That's the one yeah. that's the first one I had to take on. And her right to. before and now, Michael
3: Flatley was the yeah. the lead dancer and right before the show was to open it was a huge thing on PBS. It's supposed to open in New York at Radio City. Yes. And Michael uh, recognizing he was a star, advocated for a better financial model in his favor, mm-hmm. didn't get it created his own show and launched it yeah and uh we used to joke we used to call it a uh, michael flatter me and wood in my pants <laughs> 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 but he yeah. went out there and it was he it was a great show mm-hmm. audiences yeah. love the both of them and and that t- it wasn't 10 years it was 15 years mm-hmm. yeah so you 15 know 15 years of touring there was wow. two versions of tap
2: dogs too wasn't there there was well, there's been there was Spirit Tat of the Dance. And, there's been Celtic Women that's still going an, out. There and, was
0: another tap dogs kind of thing, too. that I I had to take my mom to all of these. She she loved those hot We'll Irish dig up another and, one for you. And hot, uh, well, you'd have to dig up my mother. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: yeah. uh, so uh, You said
1: you had something to do with the Mythbusters tour? We, well,
3: when, they I, did, when they
0: do their live shows.
3: Yeah, well, a long time ago, happen? they were... We got a call from a friend of ours who had presented a lecture. They were on a college lecture thing where they'd just come and they'd show video and talk. Mm-hmm. So the, this friend of ours told us it sold out in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay. And we tracked down uh, we tracked down their agent and then tracked down them and, and said, we'd like to try to do a slightly more produced show. So it was kind of actor-studio style, and we brought out a higher-end sound system, did an explosion reel, had some really great video, and so we upped the caliber of the show a bit and did it for two years. And then they didn't want to do it anymore, and then two years ago, they decided they wanted to do an even higher-caliber show and came back to us, and and, uh, we brought this time through our producing side primarily with relationships lee has we got them to agree to bring a director in a fellow named jim milan who is one of the original directors of kids in the hall oh, one of the writers yeah. and directors and and he wrote an entire show for him and we built significant set pieces and what's out there now and so we now we've toured that now for two and a half three years and it ends this year right because uh jamie's Retiring. retiring. Is, and is and he, was, he was a Russian literature major, by the way. Oh. That guy
1: would be an interesting person to do uh, to do a full podcast. No, he, won, he, he wouldn't because he wouldn't talk to you. But he would have an interesting life story. Here's how it would
2: he? go.
3: Uh-huh. You would go, blah, 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 and he would say, yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. So that's
2: what a nice <laughs> thing sometimes is when you meet somebody like those guys and they are so who they are. So, we're meeting in their offices. They uh, are having a conversation about somebody important who's coming to visit and they're going to blow something up. Adam absolutely wants to make sure they blow up a water heater because that's the best thing you can blow up. And he's like really animated about it. Yeah. Jamie's not listening because he's trying to show off the <laughs> servo motor that he's using to drive a shark. And you know. Cool. And and laying on the table is you know some fake plastic explosives and there's like a you know a body nailed to the wall. They really and, are well, those guys. They are. If you paid them nothing but gave them their you know mm-hmm. their warehouse for the next twenty years, they'd be in there geeking out. Mm-hmm. So and Adam totally gets he's like the worst, th-
3: the worst and best friend you could ever have because they get hurt. Jamie never gets hurt. Adam gets <laughs> yep. hurt a lot. Uh-huh. Yep. But yeah, when they get hurt. Because we would always go through outtake reels with them because we'd pick stuff out for the road. And they, when we did the first tour, they got dozens and dozens of things. So like, there's this great one where, where Adam is holding a sander, a pad sander. Uh-huh. And he's, I don't know why he's doing this, but he brings it really close to his face and it catches his mustache and it rips his huge chunk of mustache and lip off. And it looks like go to hospital time, oh. and he screams and he drops it, and there's blood and huh. there's you know there's a missing yeah. chunk here and uh, and here's where the video was the home run and we had to put it in the screen. Jamie looks over at him and goes, that must have hurt <laughs> <laughs> I would have screamed I would have <laughs> called the hospital I would have called it those every single time Adam has something terrible happened to him, you know something blows up, and you see he's got he 's got pieces of shrapnel in his forehead and, and uh, I told you you shouldn 't stand so close <laughs> <laughs> it was that great. TV, uh, that
1: t v magic right uh, there. it is uh, magic
0: so what 's the future of magic space um, the uh, the new broadway what 's the what 's the theater More producing. Yeah. we're producing we're
3: producing. We, we now are getting to do, because we're this boutique producer with this great reputation, we get great shows. So Bruce is taking the lead producer spot on uh, doing, we're going to try out a show with The Walking Dead. And it's going to feature actors. We're just going to try one in Detroit. It's going to be actors uh, who were killed off in the show called Resurrecting the Dead. And it'll be like an actor's studio thing. And we're going to produce one, and if there's a market for it, it'll be really cool. And and all of that's very cool. We were approached about from with uh, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon want to do a uh, 20 city tour celebrating really? the 25th anniversary of Thelma and Louise. And again, it's you know these are things you wouldn't necessarily imagine to be, but but if you produce it right, and we can bring that producing piece to it. They're not, no, it's going to get rich, but you can produce a no, really cool fun. thing. What
0: fun yeah. to do this. And the kind of thing you you have can... a hand in the cre- you have a hand in it creatively. So the, st- the
2: thing is that what is working now is always changing. And I think that one of the strengths has been we're flexible. Uh, our partner, Lee, when he works with artists, always makes a deal that it, it works for them. Mm. So it, it, that's a big, important thing. Is he you he the would one appreciate in Park City? A, Pardon me? Is he the one? He's the he one he in Park, the Park City? City. Yeah. yeah. But the, the the funny thing is about what works when we when entertainment became part of Clear Channel. Clear Channel said, ah, synergy. These pieces of work together. So as you know, having worked in radio, at the end of the quarter, all the radio stations have to re- report their results by you know they're off by a penny.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Meanwhile, entertainment <laughs> would be off by like thirty percent, and they were <laughs> they were like. Okay, we get the romance of the entertainment crap, but really. And the guy who was in charge of theatrical at that time said, I told my parents to put money into something other than producers. I didn't think that was going to be a hit. That's a $400 ticket. I know. We just don't know. And you could see their accounting minds just exploding because they thought that the romance was just part of the branding. Really, you know what you're doing, and it all works out? Really, nobody knows. You know, Book of Mormon coming here in a month is you know you you were working uh, as an intern with the John uh, Daly show John Stewart said it's so fucking good it makes me angry yeah. right who would have thought that the two guys from South Park could do a musical. Uh, and a guy who did Avenue Q would make the best original musical probably in the last 20 years I saw Avenue Q and I, th-
0: I assume you you guys brought that right yeah. yep. and and I didn't want to see it I and and I think I went but you get you I think you guys gave me some tickets because you want me and you want me to mention these things on the radio, and so I go maybe. see him. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe, sometimes. And uh, uh, and when you're advertising, it behooves us to, you know, we, well, we do that. We, You know, you guys advertise with us, and we go see the shows, and we say, oh, yeah, it's a great show, and we, you know. Uh, so I go see Avenue Q, and I thought, I don't really want to see that. And it just does puppets, you know. It's, uh-huh. And so I said, well, it's dirty mouth puppets. I don't care. I don't care. It's really good. Yeah. It's really damn good. Yep. And so when I heard that Trey and Matt and then they're doing with this guy from Avenue Q, I went This probably is gonna, I thought this I thought it was going to be great.
2: And you know the guy who wrote the music for Avenue Q and Book of Mormon, he and his wife wrote <laughs> Frozen. Yep. So they right. know what the hell they're doing. Yep. But the story about the Book of Mormon was that Matt and Trey went to see Avenue Q, went to a bar, saw the guy there. blah blah blah. What are mm-hmm. you doing? Oh well, we're thinking of you know I'm I'm thinking of doing a musical about Joseph Smith. No way! We're thinking about doing a musical about Joseph Smith. Oh well, you guys should do it. No, you no you should do it. That was literally how it started. A, they weren't in they a, in weren't a, in shitting a, each other. They no. really were thinking about it. Well, you know Trey and Matt have endlessly <laughs> been fascinated I know. by it. And 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 <laughs> I'm forgetting his name, so I'm sorry. The lyricist for Menendez uh, Menendez. Yeah. Yeah. He that was what he said, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm toying with is a musical about Joseph Smith. No way we were just thinking we'd do that. And that's so what they great. came up with is underneath everything that makes your jaw drop about uh, Book of Mormon is just one of the best traditional musicals ever done. Because if you think about it, if you start going through every show that you mm-hmm. can think of, a totally original musical is almost impossible to do. Wicked yep. is really close, but it's still based on a book. Yep. Les Miserables, still based on a book. Phantom, yep. based on a book. It's Jersey probably 50 Boys, that Mama start Nia. the process just,
3: and one makes it. Just go through the whole thing. So yeah.
2: back to an Oscar and Hammerstein traditional two hour great musical yep. with show, songs that you'll be singing forever. It just happens to be that there are fuck frogs and, mm-hmm. and lyrics mm-hmm. that you, you cannot believe you're yep. hearing. Yeah, yeah but, Book uh, of Mormon. It is very traditional. Very traditional. All the orchestration, but the, the work of the story. Yep.
3: That's why musical theater, um, amongst what you'd call the, the traditional legacy arts, whatever it is, musical theater works because it, it's a way to tell a story. And if you're telling a story that matters to an audience, look at the, this year's Tony's Fun Home about a lesbian author with a closeted gay dad who figures it out? It's so moving; you're in tears. It's wonderful, spectacular, best musical. I mean, uh, Spring Awakening. Is that
0: what you voted for?
3: Uh, no. Because you're a voter, right? I voted for uh, I voted for An American in Paris, but I voted best book for Fun Home.
0: Okay. But because uh, Steve is a is a Tony voter, are you? You're not. Right? I'm not. No, you're no, not. Uh, but Steve gets to go every year. I get to see lots of shows go, and goes to show after show after show after show to, uh, like a two week extravaganza. I More envy than that, you but lots of yeah. Shows. I just envy you cool. so much. But if, that if, is, if anybody can't go with you sometime. <laughs> but music. Know. But the
3: cool thing again about musical theater is you you aren't just you do you do revive shows, yeah. but you also you give this platform and this set of tools. That seems to be a remarkably powerful way to communicate. Mm-hmm. So out of the blue, a show like Jesus Christ Superstar happens that mm-hmm. matters to a whole, whole generation. And Rent. Who the hell would have thought yeah, a lot. show like Rent? But, you know, for a lot of people, Rent, these were kids who had never seen the symphony or the opera or the ballet or theater of any kind who, who fell in love with the soundtrack or Wicked. And, 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 and kids who and see Rent
0: who still don't know that it's based on a, an opera. They don't, yeah. they don't know that. Right. They still don't know but it. But
3: that art that form, form lets you tell a story that matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But and the answer to what, you know,
2: what's them. next is, that's what's so cool about it, is that you, you look well. The, the hottest show coming to Broadway is Hamilton. About story. Alexander, yeah. I was so bummed about that before father. I left, it hadn't opened before I that, left.
0: That yeah. sort of doesn't surprise me, only because uh, Salt Lake Acting Company did "Bloody Bloody Andrew, Andrew Jackson,", Jackson. Yep. which uh, I I'd had read, read about, and they did a very good. They did. A, did you see it? They're they, great. They, they, they did a great job with but it. But you know, almost, and every, w- almost and everything and went, they
3: do is great. I, yeah,
0: and I and I, I saw it, and I just went. I I, thought, I couldn't quite conceive of how it was. I had read about it, but I, right, right, I thought, too. "How
3: is this going to be good?" It's well, if you cool, knew the Andrew Jackson story, how could it not be good? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a,
0: it's, a, it's a bizarre story and a great story.
3: I'm going to kill everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, I those Indians. I'm going to kill them. Except I'll adopt this Indian boy, <laughs> so people think I'm a good guy. And then they'll put me on a twenty dollar bill. I do.
3: Not anymore. They're going to get rid of them. And put yeah, a lady. A
0: I, I think they had to put that um, Ma- Wilma Mankiller uh, on it. That's her <laughs> name, and she's one of the candidates. You know, <laughs> I want it
3: to be. Uh, I want it to be Bruce Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlyn, it's Caitlyn. It's Caitlyn Jenner.
0: Uh, so, and it, but I also, I mean, uh, what's next? Uh, the theater that's being built downtown. Uh, uh-huh. What's it going to be called exactly? Eccles. The Eccles Performing Arts Center?
3: Nope, the Eccles Theater.
0: The Eccles Theater. Uh huh. Well, I think there's already sure an Eccles is. Performing Arts Theater, isn't there? Uh, P- Probably something.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway. We're going to do
3: a ton of Broadway there. We'll yeah. do fifty percent more first year, and we'll be able to bring shows in way earlier in their life than we could in the past. Uh, and then we're working with the Book
0: of Mormon, for instance, would have come here already, much much sooner.
3: Well, not much, much sooner because it's only toured for two and a half years, but sooner. Yeah. And and uh, we'll do a lot more theater. And the other thing that will be great is we're going to work with uh, the guys who book Red Butte and the stateroom. And we're going we're gonna to help them to step their business up a great deal and do a ton of music that nobody's doing. Nobody's playing. Nobody's doing Red Butte other than Red Butte in the summer. Yeah. So, we're going to do that caliber size of show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all year round and, and put some shows you know, put put in the local yeah. theater. Three yeah. stories of glass and and bars with booze, we hope. And, and I think it's going to be yeah, incredibly yeah. cool theater.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, um, listen, what else do I want to ask you? I know there's a, a couple of other questions bubbling up. Oh, do you want to quickly tell the story about your house and our connection? Well, you? you can tell it. You well, tell I it better tell than it. me. Uh, well,. I guess I could only t- say that uh, I got uh, I got married to my current wife
3: in my front yard.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, but you didn't live there anymore. And but I, uh, it, it's a beautiful little house in the avenues. And is that? It's not probably the first place you lived in Salt Lake, is it? But it's the
3: second one. Second place yeah. you lived in Salt Lake. Seventy-five thousand bucks I paid for it. <laughs>
0: what? Really? Yeah. god uh, uh, probably the last time it sold it probably sold for 300,000 No. Nope. You know
3: what it just sold for?
0: What?
3: $850,000. You're shitting me. <laughs> they did a big addition on it. it sold for that it oh, was that's listed right. for did close they, to 900.
0: They connected this, did they connect that little They
3: tore down they, they went over the driveway and Yeah. Um, yeah. built it, on you know a big kitchen, family room.
0: But then bedroom. my wife's uh, sister bought did she buy the house from you? I, Aaron, bought that. Yeah, house for Aaron me? bought it from me. Aaron bought it from me. That's my wife's sister. Yeah, bought the house from Steve, and that's that's where. Well, you were the. We be- were my I'd, best man. I was. You were there.
3: I that made was. that front lawn. Yeah. I was. It was beautiful. Built indeed. a wall, brought all the dirt in, and that's why there's a front lawn.
0: Yeah. And we had t- a wonderful Irish band, Ten Penny, play in the yard, and. And, uh, Small world. They, they said, uh, "Man, it was great." Uh, and, uh, uh, they and,
1: and
0: they did. They said, "What a line. nice
1: lawn! Whoever brought in this dirt did a great job." The band. <laughs> I, said. I did. There <laughs> you go. I did. Weird. Ma- the, well, as a matter
0: of fact, the band stayed longer than they, the band was having so much fun. They said, "You know, they're uh, just a traditional Irish. It's a bunch of lawyers who played together for ever and ever, play Irish music together." And uh, they they said, "You know, we we usually." We usually take our $800 and go home by this time, but what the hell? This is a good time, and when the dirt I, uh, in this lawn, on this lawn is great.
3: So, <laughs> it's so flat. It's when, uh, when we first bought that house, the there was that little guest house next door. Yeah. It, w- it was built in 1885, and that was where the first tailor in the avenues. It was built to be a, a tailor. tailor shop. Oh. so the So I had fixed it up, and we had a nanny living in there. And we had this problem because people would come by, I bought the house late spring, so at the end of the summer, we started getting people coming to the house late at night, knocking on the door to buy drugs. Ah, uh, from the nanny. Yeah. The guy, not the nanny, oh. the people who lived there before us oh. sold drugs out of the little guest house. We had to call the police. And the police said, yeah. They made acid they in, the, in the tub. The story we were told was they made LSD in the bathtub. <laughs> really? Yeah. Nice. Yes.
0: Uh, uh, TV, any TV production? You have done some of that
3: in the past. Bruce can talk about our one project. Yeah. Our one? The Illusionist.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's like one of those things. It's almost, almost done. Yeah, it's uh, David Copperfield. Part of his career was based on that once a year CBS special back when right. there was...
0: When he made the Empire or the Statue of Liberty. Right, you know? A
2: TV event, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it would be its own thing and and it would be promoted for six months and you look forward to it. So NBC is talking to me... Is, is going to film in two weeks uh, a special with the illusionist. It's just something that hasn't been done in a decade. Uh, and the guy who's in charge of late night and, and special event television who does the uh, Macy's Day Parade saw, mm-hmm. it, saw the show and just said, you know, there hasn't been any like, thing like this in so long. That, you know, is a uh, show for the whole family in a real classic sense. It would yeah. work. It's going to be really, really exciting, and yeah. you'll
0: be you'll be involved in, in producing that.
2: Uh, well, NBC will produce it top to bottom. We'll will will provide the show. The way they're anything. going to do it is really cool. <laughs> but you guys definitely need to come see Illusionist next week.
0: Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and if people, and just to give yourself just completely shameless plug, uh, people want to buy because that's just go to the website. Yeah, it's well, magic. Do we do it?
3: Just go to Magic Space m a g i c s p a c e dot net click on the city because we have shows all over the place and you can see what shows we have and here I mean this is it is a plug but it's a good one Uh, subscribe to the Broadway series it's Mm -hmm. going to boom and uh, and if you're a subscriber now you get you'll get your seats in the new theater and and I think when we start announcing more shows first big one we announced is Lion King but when we start announcing it I think first three years up through see, 16, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19. We've already got major shows lined up for that entire time period, and we can't announce a lot of them, but mm-hmm. we're, we're going to start to, and, mm-hmm. and they're going to be the tickets you can't get. And, yeah. you know, if you had been a subscriber, you would have paid 85 bucks for your best seat in the house for Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. You want to buy that seat right now, go online and pay 400 bucks for it. And it won't
2: be in the where you want to sit. Yeah, yeah. that's I from, mean, it's that's uh, from a scalper. That's, yeah,
3: but every year we tend we typically have one or two shows a year that you can't get a ticket to, and yeah. and they're all good, I think. Uh, I if hope.
0: and are all the little shows that you do around town, the smaller shows and the music shows, you can find all of that there as well. Yeah, yeah. just magic dot
3: net dot and you can see all the stuff we produce and. Cities and were you in know it.
0: another thing, you, you 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 have like forty employees. Uh, you were saying if people are interested in working for you guys, because what a great, I mean, what yeah, I a great go to com- the contact
3: us yeah. thing and Magic Steve. Steve. Yeah, don't call Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can go to the contact us and email Steve.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's you know it's uh, I'm I'm sure you always need
3: people at at the beginning and on the ground level and you know it's interesting. You know, who knows? Lo- and it's kind of been the way that companies always run. We are highest paid employees, our best employees, people who get to do the coolest stuff. We didn't hire someone who had a rack of experience being a production manager Mm -hmm. or whatever. We found a person we thought fit, we liked, we knew would work hard and would trust and every, virtually every one of them has been a home run. But if you looked at people that we hired before we hired them you'd never imagine they were what they are now and and they are yeah. And it's part of just trusting people and being a reasonable place to work and i, I think it's it's
0: just its great that you're in salt lake and i uh, i'm really uh, glad i got to know both of you uh, a lot better today but i'm glad i've known both of you over the years and
3: We'll invite you to the thanks. pub crawl. i will have to get a rubber Santa suit for your wife. <laughs> yeah, she'll love that.
0: Uh, all right. it's uh, Just go to magicspace.net. Lots of good stuff happening. Bruce Granis, Steve Boulay. Uh, thank you very much for being on the thanks show. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, um, thanks uh, to Dylan, my brother, my son. son. Jeez, my excuse brother. Me, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I get up at 3 in the morning. Uh, thanks for uh, producing the show. Thank you to... Uh, uh, 50 West Cafe for having us sit here and uh, eat their french fries and drink their iced coffee. Uh, also uh, thank you to, who else do I need to thank? I don't know. Nobody. I think that's it. You're pouring the drinks. Make his a double. Yep. Make
1: mine a double. Good night. See man. ya. Bye.